This is the Harvest Community Church Podcast with Pastor Michael Jones. And now let's join today's message, Already in Progress. Well, praise God. Let's get right into the Word of God today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit, teaching. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for Your Word today. We ask that You would speak to us through Your Word. We ask that Jesus might be glorified and lifted up, that we might believe in Him, and in believing on Him, we might be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? Amen and amen. I want to talk on uh, the subject, continuing on in our series entitled Remembering Jesus. I want to talk for the next few minutes on the subject Three signs you may be too familiar with Jesus. Three signs you may be too familiar with Jesus. As we uh, consider this, I want to give you a context in in Mark. Mark chapter 5, you'll remember that we looked at that chapter and Jesus healed a man who was possessed by demons. He had these demons. He was this demoniac from the Gadarenes and he heals them. Later on in the chapter, Jesus heals a woman with an issue of blood that she had for 12 years. And the chapter culminates with Jesus healing an official named Jairus' daughter. She was 12 years old and she had died and Jesus raises her from the dead. So Jesus delivers a demoniac. Jesus heals a woman with an issue of blood and Jesus raises a little girl from the dead. All in chapter 5. Well, we get to chapter 6, and Jesus has performed these miraculous uh, events and performed these miraculous signs, and then He gets to His own country. He gets to Nazareth. And the Scripture says in verse 1 that He went out from there and came to His own country, His disciples, and His disciples followed Him. He is there. He preaches in the synagogue. They listen to Him preach. They get upset at His preaching. And then he couldn't do any miracles there. He couldn't perform any miracles there. And the Scripture says he marvels at their unbelief. I would say to you that that happened there in Nazareth because the people became too familiar with Jesus. That is a danger for you. 
That is a danger for me. We can be so familiar with Jesus that Jesus loses His power in our lives. Not that He has lost any power, but He becomes ineffective for us and, and insufficient in our daily living because we haven't yielded. We haven't placed our faith and trust in Him to work. We have resisted and rejected Him. He's, we've become too familiar it happens over and over and over again with people who grow up in church and people who've been in church for years and years and years and all of a sudden their hearts grow cold. Their hearts grow cold and, and they're so familiar with Jesus that there's no longer any excitement in their relationship with Lord. So for the next few minutes, I want to talk about the place of Nazareth. I want to talk about the people of Nazareth and I want to talk about the problem of Nazareth. And with, with that, under the umbrella, there are signs, three signs, that we have gotten too familiar in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Point number one, the place of Nazareth. Nazareth was relatively an isolated little village at the time. There were only about 200 people that lived there during Jesus' day. It was the city where Jesus grew up. They knew who Jesus was. His family lived there as well. And Nazareth must have been very dear to Jesus because this was his hometown. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth. A lot of us are born one place, but we grow up another place. I was born in San Francisco, California, but I grew up in Berkeley and Oakland. And so Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth. But this was not his uh, first time going back to Nazareth after his ministry. You'll recall in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 29, Jesus goes back to Nazareth and he preaches out of the book of Isaiah and tells the people that the words of the prophet are fulfilled in their hearing. They get so upset with him that they decide to throw him over a cliff. They decide to kill him. Well, men and women, that gives us a lot of insight into our Savior. Because if it were me, if I went back home and they tried to kill me, I wouldn't go back. This is his second time going back toward the end of his, uh, the beginning of his third year of ministry. And so he goes back. You know, it's interesting. They tried to kill him, but he still came back for a visit. They tried to throw him over a cliff, but he still came. They rejected him, but he still preached to them. He, they rejected him, but he, he still ministered to them and still reached out to them. Men and women, I'm so glad that we worship a Savior who looks beyond all of our faults and sees our need. I'm so glad that although I reject him sometimes in my daily living, he still loves me. Although I shun Him, He still reaches out to me. Although I have all manner of faults and failures, He still loves me just the same. He doesn't love me because of. He doesn't love me if. He just decides to love me unconditionally. And so His return back to His hometown to reach out to them. And the Scripture says He went back to the synagogue as well to read the Scripture to them again. He, he ministered to them despite what they tried to do to Him early on. Men and women, there is nothing that you could do to keep Jesus Christ from loving you. He's not gonna, he doesn't love you uh, by what you do. He doesn't love you anymore by what you don't do. He just decides to love you. 
There's nothing you can do to get you to get him to love you any more, and there's nothing that you can do to get him to love you any less. He just loves you. That's Nazareth. Well, what about the people of Nazareth? The people of Nazareth had a great opportunity, but they also demonstrated great immaturity. In many cases, in our relationship with the Lord, we have to see that sometimes God gives us great opportunities, but maybe we miss them because of our tremendous immaturity. Notice verses 2 through 4. And hearing him... They were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, amongst his own relatives, and in his own house. Men and women, they had this great opportunity. Jesus, the Son of God, came back to their town to preach in their synagogue. What a great opportunity. Just imagine if Jesus came to your church and he was the revival preacher at your church. Wouldn't you be it? What a great opportunity to hear the words of Jesus. But men and women, we have that opportunity every day. We have the Word of God. In our Bibles, we have great opportunity, but sometimes we miss it because of our immaturity. Notice what it says in verse 2. They were astonished. Where did this man get these things? Jesus left Nazareth as a carpenter, but he came back as a rabbi. So you could imagine that that, that he comes back with these disciples and these people in in, uh, Nazareth are thinking, what happened to Jesus? He used to be a carpenter. Isn't this the carpenter? They were astonished. And that saying, is not this the carpenter there in verse 3, is not a compliment. What they're pointing out is that he's a carpenter. He doesn't have any formal training as a rabbi. He didn't sit at any rabbi's feet. He doesn't have any theological training. Who is he to preach to us? And men and women, here's the thing. They did not know who Jesus was. So that's why they gave that response. And men and women, the way we approach the Word of God and the way we approach Jesus either demonstrates our maturity or our lack thereof. And men and women, because they didn't know who He was, they said, well, oh, isn't He just a carpenter? But not only that, they insult Him in verse 3 by saying, isn't this... Mary's son? Isn't he the son of Mary? In Jewish tradition, you would always say and describe a man by the name of his father, not the name of his mother. And one historian says that if you did describe a man by the name of his mother, then that was definitely an insult. And it could be that they were making reference to the fact that they did not know if Joseph was Jesus' daddy. And so here they are insulting him. And the scripture says in verse 3, they were offended at him. These neighbors of Jesus were too familiar with him. They knew little enough about him to think that they knew everything about him. And men and women, they were so familiar that his teachings offended them. It could be that what he was doing was putting his finger on their sin. 
Do you remember in John chapter 1 where uh, Nathaniel mentions that, uh, that we found the, the Messiah? And uh, they say, well, really, we found the Messiah. Where is he from? And they say, Nazareth. And the response is, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Maybe it was Jesus convicting them of their sin. Maybe it was Jesus putting his finger on some issues. And men and women, if we are spiritual, if we love the Lord Jesus Christ, if we want to have a vibrant relationship with Him, we have got to be willing to be convicted by Him and convicted of our sin. But not only that, at verse 4, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and in his own house. Jesus was just pointing out a truth that if he were to go outside of his own country, if he were to travel, people would receive him, people would receive him with honor, but as soon as he comes home, his relatives don't receive that. You all know this just like I know this. The hardest field of ministry, listen to me, the most difficult field of ministry is your family because they know you. These people felt like they knew Jesus. We saw Him grow up. We saw Him work as a carpenter. We saw Him as a blue-collar worker. And now He's going to come back as a, as a rabbi and try and teach us? No, Jesus is just pointing out truth that a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. He'll receive honor anywhere else. So that's the people of Nazareth. They had great opportunity, but great immaturity as well. But what is the problem? What is the problem of the people of Nazareth? And I would say this, that the attitude of the people of Nazareth was that they had become too familiar with Jesus. And men and women, that is a temptation for us. We can become so familiar with Jesus that the power of God is inoperable in our lives. That we don't see Him. So here's the question. The question becomes, what are the three signs that we're too familiar with Jesus? What are the three signs that may indicate that we have become too familiar with Jesus in our relationship with God? Well, I'll close with these three things. Number one, look down at verse 5. It says, He could, he could there do no mighty work. Jesus could not do a mighty work. And the first thing is a lack of fruit. Men and women, it says that He could not do anything. Now, God is sovereign, but there is it, sometimes the way God works is He works as He works in conjunction with our faith. Not all the time. Sometimes He does just whatever He wants to do. But you get the idea that there was a lack of faith and there was doubt and there was unbelief that hindered the work of Jesus Christ in your life. Well, how do you know whether or not you have a lack of fruit? Let me give you two things. Number one, there's inward fruit and number two, there's outward fruit. The inward fruit is the fruit of the, the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, self-control against such things there's no law the fruit of the spirit are you seeing the fruit of the spirit evident in your life is there a lack of fruit can people observe love joy and peace and patience 
And then the other fruit, the outward fruit, is evidence of Jesus Christ working in your life. What is Jesus Christ doing in your life outwardly? And the way you can indicate that is whether or not you have a fresh testimony to share of Jesus' activity in your life. Some of us are giving testimonies of years and years and years ago. Where's the fresh fire? Where's the fresh testimony? Where is what God is doing in your life right now? And one of the ways you can determine whether or not uh, you, you are too familiar with Jesus is that you do not see fruit in your life. There is a lack of fruit. But not only that. Look at uh, verse 5 again. He could do there no mighty work save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. The other thing is not just a lack of fruit, but a lack of focus. Notice what it says. The work Jesus performed in Nazareth was limited to healing a few sick folk. There is no record of any believing on him as the Christ. A few uh, desired their physical needs to be met, but there were no spiritual needs addressed. Men and women, I want to say this very, very clear. That our lack of focus as a church can be all about our needs getting met rather than reaching out with the gospel to a dying world. Men and women, we've got to be just as concerned about fulfilling the Great Commission as we are getting our bodies physically healed. Because you can get your body physically healed, but if you die without the Lord Jesus Christ, you will spend a lifeless uh, 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 eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ in hell. We've got to be concerned about people getting saved. Jesus told the man, the lame man, He said, your sins are forgiven. Well, he was lame. But Jesus knew that his real need was his sins to be forgiven. And men and women, our real need is for our sins to be forgiven. And, and, And if there is a lack of focus that all you are concerned about is, Lord, I want you to give me more stuff, or Lord, I want you to meet my material needs, or Lord, I want you to make me comfortable. We have lost our focus. Churches can lose their focus. There can, there can, there, sometimes there's no outreach, and sometimes there's no evangelism, and sometimes there's no concern for lost people at all. We become a social club. Our, our, our main focus is, is rearranging the furniture in a burning building. Men and women, you can know whether or not Jesus has become too familiar by not only a lack of fruit, but also a lack of focus. I still believe that Jesus changes lives. I still believe that people can be saved. I still believe that people's minds and hearts can be changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I still believe in repentance from sin, and I still believe in faith in Jesus Christ alone. Men and women, that changes people's lives. So a lack of fruit, a lack of focus, but also a lack of faith. Look at verse 6. He marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around about the villages teaching. Jesus marveled at their unbelief, their lack of faith. These were His people, His kinsmen, yet their faith was weak. He would have expected that from Roman Gentiles, but not His own people. A spirit of unbelief is contagious. No one in the city, the whole, all of Nazareth, all 200, that no, 
Even his family thought he was crazy, as we learned about uh, earlier in, in the Gospel of Mark. We never read that Jesus marveled at art or architecture. We never read that Jesus wondered or marveled at the wonders of creation. We never read that He marveled at human ingenuity or invention. We never read that He marvels at the piety of Jewish people. We never read that He marvels at the military dominance of the Roman Empire. But what we do read is that Jesus marvels at faith. Either the faith of those who aren't supposed to have it, that have it, or He marvels at the faith or lack thereof of people who should have it and yet don't. Men and women in Luke chapter 7, verse 9, there's a story of a Roman centurion, a Gentile, who is outside the promises of the Jewish people, and yet he put all of his faith and all of his trust in Jesus Christ. And in that passage in Luke chapter 7 verse 9, the scripture says that, 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 that when Jesus heard about this centurion's faith, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. He marveled at his faith. And yet here in Mark chapter 6 verse 6, he marvels. At, at the lack of faith of His own people in Nazareth. Men and women, if we are not careful, if we are not careful in our relationship with God, Jesus can be so familiar with us. We know all of the facts. We know all of the details. We know the Christmas story. We know the Easter story. We know the verses. We can quote them. We know the right things to say. And yet He can become so familiar that He's of no value to us. Men and women, I implore you, remember Jesus. Remember who He is. Place your faith in Him. Fight the good fight. Keep your faith. Hold on to your faith. Struggle for your faith. Make sure your faith is vibrant. Make sure your faith is alive. Make sure you return to your first love. Make sure you repent. Make sure you, 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 you remember and make sure you repeat the things that you did when you first knew about Jesus. Men and women, I'm concerned. There are two cities in the Bible that are descriptions of, of that, that could be spiritual descriptions of individuals. One is Nazareth here and the other is Nineveh. You remember Nineveh. Jonah was to go to Nineveh and preach. They were a wicked people. They were an evil people. They were a sinful people. God's judgment was upon them. They were supposed to go to hell. And yet Jesus loved them so much that He implored Jonah to go and preach to them. Jonah thought they were so wicked and so hateful and so sinful. He didn't even want to go and preach to them. But He preaches to them. And the leader of Nineveh decides to fast. And he called a fast, and, 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 and the people fasted, and the people repented, and the people, and God's judgment was relented, and God had mercy upon them. God had grace upon Nineveh. And yet we have Nazareth. All of the privileges. Jesus grew up there, they knew who Jesus was. They lived with His family. They interacted with Him. 
They could call him by name. He visits them on a ministry trip twice when he first begins his ministry and now. And both times, both times his own people reject him. Men and women, I'm praying that our faith does not grow cold. I'm praying that we would be more like Nineveh than we are like Nazareth. I pray that we would repent. I pray that we'd put on sackcloth and ashes and cry for mercy. I pray that we would fall uh, uh, so deeply in love with Jesus Christ again that repenting would just be a loving duty that we have. We would say to Him, Lord, change me. We would say to Him, Lord, rearrange all of my priorities. Lord, do a work in my life. Lord, help me recognize your your sacrifice on the cross. Help me know that you paid the penalty for sin. You paid the penalty so I could be free. You paid the penalty so I could be clean. You paid the penalty so I could be new. You paid the penalty so that I might have life and might have it more abundantly. That your death on the cross for me was not just something nice to do, but your death on the cross redeemed me. Your death on the cross saved me. Your death on the cross makes me new and regenerates me as I put my faith and trust in You. Lord, help us be more like Nineveh than we are Nazareth. Help us not to be so familiar. Help us not to have a lack of fruit. Lord, give us fruit. Lord, help us to have not to have a lack of focus. Lord, give us a focus on doing the work that You've called us to do while we're here. Lord, give us not a lack of faith, but Lord, give us a fullness of faith so that we might put all of our trust and all of our confidence in You. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father God, we thank You so much for Your Word today. We ask, Lord Jesus, that as You come to our house, that as You come to our lives, that our love for You would not grow cold and that You would not become too familiar. Lord, help us to appreciate all that You are and all that You are doing. Lord Jesus, save us. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name. Won't you say amen, amen, and amen. Until next week, remember Jesus. We are harvest.